The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays, 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. They did it! 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 And they told you they were going to do it. They tore it down. They got out of the dead cap. All of that awful Ryan Pace dead cap stuff. They signed a roster of garbage that you knew was garbage. Really bad. And they got the number one pick and they identified their quarterback. Lawrence Holmes. Bears fans got an absolute treat. And look, had the Bears just lost their game and done their thing and the Bears are sitting there with a number two pick, you're still in a great position. You're still in a great position to actually trade if you wanted to. But with the number one pick, it changes everything. Alex said something yesterday, and I, I wrote it down while we were watching the game because we were watching both, and he called it, this is a franchise-altering event. Yes! Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. Tony, Southside, you're on the score. I've never been in this position as a Bears fan with this number one draft pick. If I was posed in that conference tomorrow, I would come out playing Drake. Got everything. I got everything. Let's go, Bears. Hey, let's just do something different this year. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Going to hear from the Bears brass today. Looking forward to it coming up in just about 20 minutes here on the Bernstein and Holmes Show. You will hear it live. We are broadcasting from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It is another sunny day in Chicago as we sit here, along with our producers, Ray Diaz, Mike Rankin, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell handling the video stuff. So we are going to hear from them. However long it goes, we'll hang in. Then Patrick Manley will give us his thoughts. Mark Grody will give us his thoughts. We'll talk about that Bulls game last night. I actually thought they played well. They played hard. I thought it was a really entertaining game. I'm sorry they lost, but that's a really good team at home. They got their center back, and they're a different team when he's patrolling the paint. They they do take a lot of interesting shots, though, in crunch time situations that they don't need to. I, I know that the three-pointer is is part of their philosophy, and it's been very successful for them, but there were moments last night where they had a chance to close the game because no one was able to guard Tatum or Brown off the dribble, and they chose to not do that in the last six minutes. I'm like, why would you not I don't know. do that? But all right. And we also got the Luke Cornette next-level defense. Have you seen what he does? With the three-point shooting? With what he, yeah, he jumps up in the, yeah. no matter what, no matter where he is on the floor, he just jumps up as high as he can. Why not? And twice this year, Patrick Williams has ignored him and made a three over him. He's the guy that's exposed that, though, but there is just, he's still out there doing the stuff that he does. Why not try it and, and gather as many data points as I, you can, and then at the end of it say, okay, what was the shooting percentage on you flailing wildly from 10 feet away. Yeah, I've just jumped. You're, you're 7'1", or whatever you are. You've got long arms. You can jump a little bit. If, if you can get in the low part of the vision range on a shooter and there's some effect to it, at least start measuring it. Why not? I mean, it reminds me quite a bit of Robert Ory. <laughs> Don't. Wait, at least wait till tomorrow. Wait till tomorrow till Layla can, can talk about it. Yeah, well, the sportscaster of the year is here. Hell yeah! To, 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 Hit us in the head with her trophies and awards. Oh, yeah. If you didn't hear, last night, Layla was named Sportscaster of the Year. So she tied with Joniak. Yeah, but we're, I, we're just going to give it to, no, to Layla. No, they're going to fight it out. Well, then I, I my money's on Rahimi. 
I don't know. Just got like that old man strength. Well, he's got a, you know that I think red there ass is a, strength, like a wrestling background or something. Joniak. Well, yeah. no, there's a time he almost got in a fight with with Willis from Different Strokes. That's 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 an old classic. He and Todd Bridges oh, yeah. almost oh, fought. Oh, it was in the in the Bulls press room. Was it over cocaine? What, was, <laughs> what, what were they fighting <laughs> it was, about? It was over a giant bag of cocaine. No, it's like he was in his. Todd Bridges was doing stuff with like I forgot one hundred three five or whatever it was, and he was like in Joniak's space and and. Oh, Joniak, Joniak doesn't like that. No, he was like got into his stuff or something. He moved or he like moved his stuff over, and Jeff said something, and then I was right there. And then and Todd Bridges like, "I'll knock you out," because he he'd already been in the in the pokey. Yeah, and he had been doing like celebrity boxing stuff yeah, too. Yeah, but he he he'd been in prison for a while, and he came out and said, "I'll knock you out." And Joe- yeah. Yeah, that was thirty years ago, and Jeff's—he's—he's he's mellowed out, you know. No, I—I I know that Jeff's got some some red ass. Uh, know, oh yeah, but oh, yeah. but I feel like I feel like they're, I feel like maybe like he was a high school wrestler or something, because that would explain a lot. Yeah, somehow we're, we, I, I, it's, or maybe he just fits the profile because we're like similarly built. Like maybe he fits the profile of a high school wrestler. It's just unsettling that you've got you've got co Illinois sportscasters of the year that did do such vastly different jobs within the sportscasting universe. I say we figure a way they fight it out. There can be only one. Can, can we be nominated for this? Hell no! I can't. No, I can't. I've pissed off too many people. But I'm saying, I don't like, even know who nominates it or well, how that's it's what done I'm saying. How, is how this, they vote on is it? Is this or, one of those know. things where we're like, hey, Porth? Why aren't we nominated for Sportscaster of the Year? Please. No, that's never happened. At least maybe for you. I mean, Because you, you're I, a legit journalist. You, like, wear actual clothes. and. Why? Well, what? I, I was thinking it was 2016. I was a finalist for Illinois Broadcaster of the Year. Something like that. The, there was, like, an award that Pat Hughes wins every year. And yeah, it's, it's like it's the like Silver the, the Pat, Dome. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what it is. I, where's Where's our Lissagore? Do you know the type of journalism that we do on this show they, every day? They still give out Lissagore awards? Yeah. My man Evan Moore won a Lissagore this past year. Okay. So, you know, where's ours? Not coming anytime soon. As long as you're sitting next to me, you're not. You're probably not going to get any, so I, any thought on that one. Mike, so I gave, up, I gave up all of that. Yeah, we had the Tim Anderson stuff. Yeah. The, our White Sox coverage was... Was unbelievable yeah, this season. Yeah, we're out here breaking stories. Dan's out here talking to people. I told you the Tony Larusa news before anybody else we, did. We told you the Tim Anderson news yeah. before anyone else. I, I don't think it matters. Where's my Lissa going? <laughs> what do they do? They put together like a like a demo reel and send it in. They used to do that. I, I won a bunch of those air awards. Yeah, I, I got still a couple have of those. I still have. They're they're sitting in what used to be my office before my wife took my office. Oh, you don't have an office anymore? Um, hell no. I don't have an office. I'm a man without a country. Uh-huh. I, 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 no, there's. I, but wait, you'll get one back though, right? How the boy will leave, and you could turn his room into your office if you wanted to. They're not gonna. They, they all come back. I'm sure. Ever? No, but for they, they don't always. We'll just move. He can sleep not, on the couch. We'll, we'll move and not tell him. <laughs> just, eventually, we'll just leave. Like, where's what happened to our house? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> What? Schmove it. <laughs> everybody. everybody. The two one seven says Bernstein, you're the honorary winner of the Mexican pitching record. I don't know no. if you want that record because no, then you end up in the stripey hole. Yeah, Esteban Loiza, he won all those games and he had the giant high hat on top of his head and now he's 
He's away for a long time. There's a whole thing that circles around you if you win the Mexican pitching yeah, award. That, that, that's I'm a Michigan man for life. Yeah, he's well, he, he's not going to be like free anytime soon. Right. So I don't know if you want that award. I think it's automatic when you have the the most pitching wins of any Mexican-born pitcher. They immediately throw you into jail. I, th- I think you actually have to have to commit all those drug trafficking crimes. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you have to, but. Oh. It apparently was very lucrative until it wasn't. So I'm counting on on the Bears to say some silly things today because Bears press conferences just are usually bad for whatever reason. Maybe maybe we can hold out hope that I'm I'm feeling more confident about this than you are. I I think that if there's never going to be an opportunity for Ryan Poles to feel more confident as he walks to the microphone today, and I get that Matt Eberflus has got to temper some of this. Because his team lost 10 games in a row to finish the season. But they they know what happened here and why it happened. And they have been rewarded. Yeah, I'm so over the fact that they lost 10 games in a row. I, Completely I, over it. I know, but as a coach, that is something that's hard to wear. Like, I, I don't envy Matt Eberflus, like, thinking about even going into this season knowing what it is. Each week, you still got to look into the faces of guys that believe in you and think that you're doing everything that you can to win, and they were with the guys that they had available to them. They were trying to win every game, and to not be able to kind of fulfill that wish for your players and and all the hard work, I can understand how that would lay on a coach's conscience. And even knowing that you can compartmentalize the 2022 bear season and throw it in the garbage because everything is different now. Everything is exactly the way that you would have hoped and maybe not even allowed yourself to dream that it was going to turn out this way, that, that you were going to end up with the number one pick and you, you kept salaries low, which I ordinarily don't like, uh, so that you could be in a position to go, Make any type of offer that you want. Like As I was driving home yesterday, Dan, I was thinking about our conversation on all of this. There's nothing the Bears can't do this offseason. Now, there's trade-offs. Like, you know, if you end up making a trade for a big money guy, obviously you're going to have to look in and be careful with the rest of the money that you spend. And there's timelining issues as well. Of course. That there, you may do something now to be able to do more a little bit later. But there's nothing they can't... What's the quote that you just read from Chris Ballard? Well, there's another one now, too. Because Chris Ballard has been on one at their postseason press conference today. Asked if there's a quarterback at the top of the draft they want. Would he give up heaven and earth to trade up to get him? Ballard said, yes, I do whatever it takes. That's the GM of the Colts. Fantastic. Put him on the list. Chris Ballard will do whatever it takes. And you know who's got the number one pick and doesn't need a quarterback? Your Chicago Bears. He's saying stuff. That's right. I'm sure. Let me tell you something, Dan. This Will Levis, he is great. He is great. Bryce Young, best quarterback I've ever seen. And and Anthony Richardson has the best skill set that I have ever seen ever in my life. To any GMs who might be listening to the score this morning to try to get some intel, this is the quarterback class. You got to get one of them. Whatever it takes, man. Come on down to Crazy Ryan's and make a deal. 
Ballard opened his end-of-year press conference by saying, I failed. He said, we live in a world where failure is not allowed. When you fail in this world, you get canceled and everybody wants your head, and rightfully so in some cases. But if you're able to go through it and learn from it, you can reach your greatest heights. That sounds to me like a man who could use a phone call. He said, I've fired myself 50 times this year. I sit in that press box and just agonize. What could turn it around for Chris Ballard would be a franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you, C.J. Stroud, you have never seen an Ohio State quarterback ever in your life look this good on film. I think it's worth doing whatever you got to do to move up to the number one pick to get him. And I say Ryan Poles doesn't answer the phone for a while. Just let it ring and, and, and turn the phone off, turn the ringer off, and go on vacation after this press conference. No, I, I think what you do, what you do, he makes the call to Chris Ballard and then hangs it up. So the Ballard sees. The number. So he's got it right there. And then, then off. Man, I, you know what? I was calling you and then I was on my way to Mexico. And uh, my plan didn't have as soon as I crossed the border. border I lost out. contact. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that you called me back. There's a lot that we can discuss. Because you've been waiting for a quarterback since Andrew Luck left. We are going to hear from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus as they take questions from reporters. You'll hear it all live thanks to your local Hyundai dealers. That's coming up in minutes, so keep it here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Bears. Looking forward to a Bears press conference. Usually I don't say that. Usually we don't look forward to Bears press conferences. We sort of grit our teeth and go, and we, and we look through our fingers and listen with our ears covered. But not in this case, because the Bears are sitting chilly right now in a position of power. We will see if they're able to project that. It would have been nice to have the incoming president in place, but I think that that is a, a, it's a different press conference entirely. That, that merits its own day. Yeah, that's a day where we probably will see George. I don't suspect we we're, we're not going to see George today. He is not going that's to. That's good. Be, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Let your football people do football stuff. He can stay in the back and hand out ice cream sandwiches. Well, no, apparently what they're doing is they they got the, the a, a squirt mountain going on up there. A I pyramid saw, of squirts. That's my favorite game show. John Greenberg, there's a table of it. Yep. I took you guys' advice, you and Ray's advice. What? Went and got, get, got some sugar cane squirt from... from The Mexican grocery. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. A little touch of tequila. A little traditional in there. Yeah, and, yep, yep, yeah, yep, it's, yep. it's really good. A Paloma, basically, is what, what we're talking it's about. It's like a poor man's Paloma. But yeah. but it's it's quite tasty. And I'm, I'm now looking forward to it being my summertime treat. I've got another one for you. Oh. Pineapple Spindrift. That's my favorite uh, sparkling water brand, the only. Like when, Once you go there, you'll never go back to any other brand. Okay. It's a little more expensive, and it's worth it. And this is me saying that. Rum? Yeah. Pineapple yeah. Spindrift and, Bac- and Bacardi Gold. What do you want to do? Well, I got all sorts of rums that I can play around with. Oh, that's with. right. You've got yeah. the, was it the, the Brugal? Is it? The Brugal. Brugal. Uh, I can play around with the Diplomatico out of Venezuela. Shout out to Ozzy Guillen for gifting me that. 
I got rums from around the world. Like it's my thing. Like it's I've found that rum is my if if I'm going to do an alcohol and like really get into it, that's the alcohol that I like. You're redefining rum springa. Well, you were telling me about the was the, the Amish go down to Daytona and No, uh near Sarasota. There was a New Yorker piece about the Amish paradise. It was like the it was the the Weird Al Yankovic version of Gangster Paradise. Remember the Coolio yeah. thing that, and, and he did Amish Paradise. There is one. It's real in Sarasota, Florida. It's outside of Sarasota. It is time now for us to take you up to Hallis Hall and the Bears press conference. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. All right, Let's started here. Uh, just want to kick it off by thanking our players for flipping the page to the next one and just attacking it week by week. Um, was really proud on how he did throughout the season. Um, then, then my staff, as well as the entire organization, the effort that goes into going through a season, especially our first one, I thought they did a really good job. I thought my staff was uh, relentless at trying to bring in talent throughout the process, um, and they did a nice job. And then to the fans, you know, I was blown away this season at the stadium, around town, at restaurants, with the amount of understanding that they know with where this organization is and where it's headed. Um, I appreciate their patience. I know they've been waiting a long time to sustain success for a long period of time. Um, but I thought it was really cool to just meet a lot of people that understood where we were going and, and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, as we reflect on the season, I think I, when I started uh, in the very beginning, I talked about a mentor of mine asking, what does success look like if you took wins and losses? And you put that to the side for a second. And I did that, and it was really about the foundation that we built this year. I was excited about that. I was excited about the, the progress that we made. Um, I think two things can be true, too. I think you can be disappointed in the, the losses, right? I, that's not our, our what we're here to do. Uh, it hurts. I joked earlier, like, it feels like part of your football soul gets ripped out when you got to do it over and over and over again. Um, but the resilience that this organization showed was outstanding. Uh, in our all-staff meeting, I handed out this in the very beginning of the season. It was just a, a building block that, in the shape of a Lego, and I talked about the entire organization doing what it takes to stick together. Um, because I knew how important it was to build a foundation that was rock solid. It wasn't on something that was shaky, that would fracture. And that really, everyone bought into that, and I was excited about that. I know that we're in a healthier situation now than we were before, and we're excited about where we're going. Now, what does a foundation look like? I've heard that question in here a lot throughout the season. That's discipline. I thought we were, we were one, I think we were one of the least penalized teams in the league. Um, the bond I talked about in the locker room sticking together. As a GM and a head coach, you worry about, through adversity, the, the locker room starting to fracture, self, people being selfish. Uh, selfish. Um, and that was never the case. There was no finger pointing. The guys bought in. They had fun with each other. Um, experience. We led the league in rookie snaps by almost a thousand. Um, that's going to pay off for us in the long run. Uh, those guys, if they're starters, the game's going to slow down for them. If they end up being rotational players or backup, when their numbers call, they're going to have game experience and be able to be successful through that. Toughness. Uh, that stood out to me. I can't tell you how many coaches from the teams that we played called the next morning or GMs and said, you can feel your guys on tape. You can feel that the way that they play, they, they play it the right way. Keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right path. 
<clears throat> and then obviously I know a lot of questions just about the quarterback. I thought Justin did a good job. I thought we changed a lot. We adapted. We tried to put him in a position to be successful. He showed the ability to be a, play a playmaker, be impactful. He can change games quickly. Um, does he have room to grow? He does. He has to get better as a passer. And I'm excited to see him take those steps as we move forward. I was proud of the player acquisition. Talk about relentlessness. Free agent guys came in. They contributed. Um, and even some of the stuff under the surface, you know, a guy like uh, we spent time with Riley Reef <clears throat> yesterday. That guy did more than a lot of people think for that old line room and the, and the mentality. I think I talked about when I first got here. Like I wasn't fired up on how we protected the quarterback in terms of getting him off the ground and that attitude and that physicality. He's the reason why we ran the ball so well. We finished. We, we had an attitude. We had an identity. And that's a lot because of guys like him. The draft, I thought a lot of those guys contributed. They're, right, they're wired the right way. Um, some had success early and sustained it for the whole season. Some have a ways to go, but they're, they're wired the right way, and, and they're going to help us um, moving forward. Where do we go from here? And that's really elevate off this foundation that we built. Um, we start with the after-action reports. I believe in that. Uh, we're going to get together, talk about what we did well, what we didn't do well, attack our weaknesses, and continue to do what we did well over again. Uh, player feedback. Coach and I met from 7 a.m. yesterday to 2 o'clock and met with every single player on our roster. And we spent a lot of time, and our coaches, our position coaches spent time talking about how guys have to get better for next season. But we want a feedback of where we have to be better as well, what, uh, our process, our scheduling, uh, anything from travel, cafeteria, uh, communication, all of that stuff. We wanted to know where we came up short so that we can support them better and that they're in a position to be successful. And then we're going to identify needs. What do we need? Where are the holes in the roster? Um, and then we're going to attack them uh, with the same relentlessness that we did this past season. Um, obviously, we have a lot more resources, so I'm excited um, to do that. But we got to stay sound in free agency. I, I know everyone's talking about how much money we have, and we're just going to go crazy. We're going to be sound so that we get the right players in here and we get good value. And attack the draft, always keeping value in mind. That's going to stay the same. It's not going to change just because we have you know, the number one overall pick. Um, so I know Coach and I are excited. Everyone should be excited about the direction we're about to go. Uh, open up the questions. Brian, Brian, given your vision and given all the resources that you just mentioned that you have, what can you accomplish this offseason? And, and realistically, how much can you get done? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can answer that specifically, but I can tell you that we have flexibility. We have, we have flexibility um, where if there's opportunities where we can – you know, turn that into a lot of players that come in to help us, we can do that. If it's if it's staying put or, or you know, really f being selective with certain people, uh, we can do that as well. So I know my expectation, our expectation, is that we move the needle to be more successful. We can win some of these close games and, and bring in guys that can impact this football team. Right. Uh, Brad, on that note, on Dan's question, like how pivotal is this opportunity this offseason? Is this what you've been waiting for for the past year as you've been doing clean up and tear down, and now you have the chance to really do what you want? I'd say the approach is, is the same. Uh, we're going to evaluate the players. We're going to put them in certain value buckets, and then we're going to attack it and get as many good players in here as possible. I don't think, you know, I think you make a mistake and say, this is this is it. Like, this is the, no, we're going to approach it the same and be consistent so that we make sound decisions. Right. Right. Do, you plan on, do you plan on Justin Gibbs being your starting quarterback next year? Yeah, we had good conversations. Um, I'm excited for 
the direction he's going. And as I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think he mentioned that the other day. Um, so we're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes with his arm. Now if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. Because you have the first pick, there are people that said, oh, the quarterback might be available there. You're saying Justin's your guy. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. Ryan, specifically, do you want to see Justin Fields get better as, as, a, as a passer? Yeah, just um, as a passer, just for things to slow down um, mentally and then be able to react and anticipate quicker. Um, obviously, with that, we also have to continue to build around him so that he can do that. Uh, consistently as well. What did you learn about him, just watching him kind of develop as that leader of this offense? Yeah, resilient. Uh, a guy that has um, ownership, he has growth mindset, the amount of time that he put in with the coaches to continue to get better. The guy is hungry to be successful in this football, in this league. What was your evaluation of the, your early evaluation of the free agent class? Yeah. Um, I was excited um, just spending time with those guys. Justin Jones, I thought, did a really good job. Um, I thought he was a consistent uh, playmaker through the season. Um, you know, with that front, I know there's a lot of questions on, on production in, in the past game with sacks. I think that's a group that's got to work. Just like O-line, you got to work together. It's not just one player. Um, so, again, I'm excited to see him take the next step next year. But in terms of a steady piece that I thought made plays throughout the season, I thought he did that. Right. Obviously, uh, Justin had a lot to a lot to prove coming into this year, and you said you're excited to see where he's going. Was there a moment for you when you said, oh, wow, that this is something where now I'm, I am really excited? Was there a specific moment that started that for you? Yeah, well, it was like midseason when he really started to go off um, with his legs, create explosion, uh, explosive plays. You know, you think of plays like um, the shot to Mooney, the shot to Pettis in the corner of the end zone. I think that was Washington. Uh, those deep ball throws that we know he can make. Now it's just closing in the gap and being consistent with it. And again, I know the beautiful thing about football is we can't point at one. You can never point at one person and be like, it's his fault. No, it's a collective where everything's got to work together. So I know and we know if we continue to grow this football team, bring in a lot of really good players, that everyone's going to get better collectively. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan with with that, when you have the, the top-ranked rushing offense in the NFL, the 32nd-ranked, passing offense. What, through your lens, do you see in terms of that and, and the need for, to, to rectify that or, or find more balance? Yeah, I think a little bit, too. I think it's like chemistry, just working with the group around him. Uh, I noticed like through the season, the guys that he had the most time with in the offseason, that, tra that transferred into the season. I think that's why Cole had a hell of a year. Um, so that chemistry, building that chemistry is big. And then just letting the game slow down to him. Everything's New this this offense was new for and you've seen everything for the first time so uh, time on task I think is going to help. Right, your evaluation of Claypool. 14 catches in seven games. I think a lot of people are joining him. Weaker receiving core. A lot of people thought he would have stood out a lot more than that. Yeah, that's that's a, a good point. You know, I think that's the difference between like trades in baseball and and, and basketball. It's like plug and play. There's an entire offseason and half of a season of installs and all the things that you need to do collectively to play and, and execute offensive play. Um, on top of that, it was a little bit choppy with some of Justin getting dinged up. Um, he got dinged up. 
Uh, so it was a little bit choppy of a start. I don't. I told Chase, and we had a really good conversation. I'm not blinking at that one at all. I think he's going to help us moving forward, and I'm excited about it. Brian, Brian you still need someone understands what you were, what you were doing this show to get yeah. everybody around. Yeah. Yep. The roster. Did you expect to win more football games, though? Um, I think you always do. Right, and I, I think some of those close games that we talked about, you know, that can go one way or the other. I was hoping to to win those, um, but that wasn't the case. So um, I know that this team's got a, a long way to go, and um, you know, coming in, that was an understanding that there is a long way to go. So um, yeah, like I told you, losing it hurts. Um, you always expect to win more than three games. That's why, like everyone, I that was a. I got home and one of my buddies from the neighborhood drove by. I was like, "Hey, congratulations for the first overall pick." I, I'm not. I'm still not in that mindset right now. It it hurts, you know. It hurts to be in that position. Um, obviously, the opportunities and things that will come from that. I hope that's that helps us. Um, but yeah, we're, you're always expecting to win. You don't want to be in this position. Right. Back to Clay Pool for a second. Yep. Um, when you for him, obviously, what you gave up for him, you expect him to be a part of your organization for a while. And you said you don't blink at all at the lack of production the last couple of months. So when, when you acquire him, knowing that he'd be coming up for an extension uh, this offseason, this doesn't change your opinion at all? You're, you're the same mindset you were when you acquired him? I think, you know, if with health, with uh, Justin being out for a little bit, um, your expectation, I told him, like, yeah, I wish, I wish he came in, he had 1,000 yards, and we just were going, but it didn't happen that way. But do I believe in the talent? and what he can bring to this team, I do. Um, and I still think we're going to get that. In terms of the, the contract stuff, to me, we just got to take the next step and see how he gets implemented and how he does in this offseason. He's going to spend a lot of time with Justin as well as the other receivers and build that chemistry. And we'll be able to evaluate that even clearer next year. Sitting at the top of the draft board, you said if quarterback, you'd have to be completely way to do that. But any other position, and possibly being able to trade back from there, what kind of leverage do you view yourself in right now, knowing the offers you could field this year and potentially garnering more draft capital? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said about flexibility. I think we can evaluate the talent there. Uh, we can see what player presents himself in that position to help us. And then we can also look at the scenarios. You know, if the phones go off and then there's certain situations where we think that can help us, then we'll go down that, that avenue too. So. Um, I think we have really good flexibility to help this team, regardless if it's making the pick there or moving back a little bit or moving back a lot. We'll be open-minded about everything. With the eye of a former offensive lineman, how do you evaluate the production, the effort, the play you got from yep. your O-line this season? Yeah, I thought, you know, I'll start with the positives. The run game stuff was outstanding. I thought they did a good job. I thought um, I had talked about earlier about putting guys in position to succeed. I thought Tevin was successful moving a guard. Uh, that was fun to see him go through that. Um, but as a, a unit, I thought the run game was really good. Um, but we have to get better in pass pro. They all know that, um, and they're up for the challenge. And we got to continue for those that aren't here. We got to continue to bring in players that can help us do that. Bears general manager Ryan Poles sitting next to Matt Eberflus. Poles is fielding all of the questions so far. We imagine Eberflus will get some as well. This press conference brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers on the score. Talk about future. Um, you know, I'll start. I mean, I was proud of Braxton. He's got a long ways to go to to reach his ceiling. Um, but for his path, and if you look at a lot of 
not many people look at the schedule for a player who, you know, goes into the offseason, senior bowl, combine, comes in as a fifth-round pick, battles through camp, gets a spot, and then plays every single snap through the season. That's an accomplishment right there. That tells me he's wired right. He's got mental toughness, uh, rode the ups and downs. Um, so I'm hoping that he continues to work on his body, his technique, and, and that's someone that we can play with and be successful with for a while. Right. You were a little uncomfortable getting congratulations for getting the, the number one pick, but were you watching and hoping for for Houston that day? I mean, like, how did it all go down? I knew this. Yeah, I knew the scenario, but I had no after the game that it was on, you know, a TV, I think upstairs or that they switched to it when I left the box. But at that point, I just wanted to spend time with the players after the game and tell much I appreciate everything that they put into the season. Right, we're talking a lot about Justin for obvious reasons, but what are the other players that you have in-house now that you sort of identify as, as potential blue-chip guys that will be a part of the championship ascent? Yeah, I mean, the one that stands out to me this year, I was just proud of, and I spent time with him talking about it. But I thought Cole did a really good job. I thought he elevated his game from the film that I watched last year to what he was this year. Um, so that's exciting. Um, that's, I mean, that's one that comes to mind right now. Right, when you mention <clears throat> the holes on the roster, it's hard to fix everything yeah. when you're 3 and 14. What do you look at as the priority? What's the thing that you say, this is, this is the number one problem we need to fix? Um, it's hard to identify that right now, but I always go back to the premium positions. We're always going to look at... Um, you know, pass rushers, we're going to look at uh, offensive linemen, uh, corners. Uh, so that's where we're always going to start and see if can we win, can we play winning football with those premium positions and then we move from there. Is that, is that the order? I mean, that's usually the order for a team is quarterback, pass rusher, yep. left tackle, stuff like that. So, I mean, pass rusher, if you're good with Justin, then pass rusher is the number one thing you need. Uh, it's hard to say in order. That's something that we're going to reflect on and see what that priority looks like. Um, we actually go through with our staff and we'll, we'll rank those. So, um, but I always start with the premium positions and see, you know, are we good enough in those and then move from there. All right, Matt, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, have you made any staff changes or do you anticipate any staff changes? Um, you know, I, as I said after the game, you know, I'm going to meet with those guys here shortly, uh, each one of them, um, and uh, we'll evaluate everything as we go. Um, but uh, again, it's the NFL. A lot of things move. A lot of things change. A lot of things adjust. So uh, we'll address that when we get there. Right. I know he's a free agent. Can he do enough this year for you to want to keep him in the fold here? I've always wanted to keep David. I, I love his mentality, how he plays the game. I told him that to his face, and it comes from. Uh, I mean, I. He's part of the identity that we had this year that kept us competitive. Um, now the second part of that is just the the contract situation. Uh, that's something that we'll see how that goes and if we can find common ground. I've, obviously, I've learned that you can want a player and, and it, the value's got to come together um, for it to happen. But right. I, I love the way that he attacked this season. Like That's that's a guy that does everything right. I mean, you all watched his tenacity, his fight. Like he, um, I'm a big David Montgomery fan. Right. You express appreciation for how understanding the fans are in terms of where you are in this process. And that kind of created a bit of a low-pressure situation for this season relative to this all season coming up. Does it feel like you got a, a lot of pressure on you having the resources, having the draft pick? Does that feeling kind of feel a little different ones this offseason than maybe you did last offseason in terms of expectation? You know, I don't know if that necessarily creates pressure for me. I think I put pressure on myself and we put pressure on each other to be 
the absolute best. Um, I think as we go, like the plan is to sustain success. Um, so I think that's enough pressure. I don't know if it's the noise and all of that outside the building. I know that we want to be successful and that's kind of the pressure we put on ourselves. Um, I get the understanding piece. I guess we have a sense of urgency that we move to too. So um, I don't know if that really moves the needle for me. When, when you look at the possibilities in free agency yep. coming up in March, it looked like a good group, middle of the road. It, I mean, I'm sure you kind of eyeballed who could potentially be out there understanding some guys probably don't make it to marketplace. Right. So we um, we went through a first phase with a couple positions um, to kind of see how it stacked up and eyeballed. Um, we are starting next week where we sit just same situation as draft one where we go position by position. So it's hard to tell right now how deep it is in different areas. Um, but I guess that's that's something we'll find out here next week when we kind of finish all the way across. Ryan, 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 you said that Justin needed to get better at, at the pass game. Yep. How do you parse through how much of that is him, how much of that is the players surrounding him, how much of that is the plays he's running, and, and what specifically can he improve this offseason kind of on his own? Yeah, so you always start with film. Um, you start with film, and then we'll get together as a staff, especially with Luke. Uh, with Janoko and kind of talk about how, how to even prioritize where he needs to start to improve. And, and sometimes I see things, um, and I'm sure you all see it too, like social media be like, this is his fault or that's his fault. And like, it's like 25% right mostly. Um, but there's some things I need to get from the coaches to understand where exactly and how that play uh, broke down. So we'll get together and kind of address where he needs to start. I know him and Luke sat together and, and talked about that. Right, guys, with the, with the feedback you solicited from players in the last couple of days, what's um, something specific that, that was brought to your attention that you hadn't thought about that's valuable for you guys as you kind of course correct and figure out some things to, to do going forward? No, it was great. It was, uh, you know, really good to sit down and visit with every guy, every, everybody, and uh, it took some time. You know, it was, uh, we opened up and said, hey, let's, you know, anything you can give us to get better at. You know, from you know, if it's a training room, the equipment room, you know, if it's the coaching, if it's uh, the facility, um, whatever it is, relationships, whatever that might be, and it was uh, let's let them talk. You know, I think it was uh, refreshing for those guys to be able to voice uh, their opinions, uh, especially when both him and I are sitting there. I think that's a pretty cool environment for those guys, and it was great. Um, and so the really the biggest takeaway from us was that you know we did lay foundation that the locker room was really positive, the energy was always there, um, the messaging you know in terms of the coaching staff in terms of our team meetings was was outstanding and and really we you know we came away with some some things to correct, you know uh, none of the players want, 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 want they don't want to be in pads after uh, Thanksgiving I said well it's too bad you got to be in pads <laughs> but. Uh, you know, so uh, I said I'll take that under advisement. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was uh, there was a couple things in there. But really, what we can do is just to improve our relationships. You know, and I think it was pretty good. But I think it'll be even better coming up year two. You know, that we built the foundation now with these young guys and the guys that we have uh, currently in the locker room. So it was good. Ryan, there's examples in the NFL of teams that have had the kind of turnaround from you know, the top of the draft to getting toward contention, but obviously understanding. The goal of sustained success in the big picture, what do you want the expectations to be for 2023? To get better, to get better, to continue to bring guys in that can, we can continue to, we need to win more games. Um, so some of those tight games I want to finish, I want to finish better. Um, 
and bringing in some playmakers, more playmakers is going to allow us to do that. So the expectation is to take that next step. I want to stair-step this thing to the to the top and then stay up there as absolutely long as possible. Um, and you, you got to be – I always go back to making sound decisions. And sometimes when you don't make sound decisions in the short term, it can look really good. But then it's what happens after. So we want to make decisions that – can last a long time um, so we can stay at the top you don't have the peak and then the drop off after right you're listening to sports radio 670 the score wscr hd chicago wbmx hd2 chicago and odyssey station Um, no i thought we used the resources that we had to the best of our ability um, based on what was there i think that's kind of what i go back to in terms of making sound decisions that's hard i wish i wish it was a perfect scenario where you could just clean up everything and be good so I thought we made solid, sound decisions to do that. Um, yeah, I wish it was it was perfect across the board to give them so it was clean uh, as much as possible, but it just doesn't always happen that way. But again, now looking at where we can go currently, we have flexibility to do a little bit more. Now the second piece is, uh, like Brad said, like what's what talent's there for us to bring in and can it help move the needle to help everybody get better? Ryan, with the Darnell Mooney, extent of his injury, yeah, I love him more than I did when I first walked in the door. I think he's a special human being first and foremost, uh, and a really good football player. Um, I don't know if I have the specific details. I know he's doing really well. Everything's positive. He's headed in the right direction. He's in rehabbing a bunch, so he's in good spirits. Uh, he's a guy too that in adversity. He's a guy that says, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to control what I can control. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come back just as good, if not better, than I was before. So everything's positive with him. When would he be back on the field, do you think? Uh, Remember the date on that one? No, I mean, I know it's in the spring, you know, uh, potentially. So we'll, you know, again, it depends on how the rehab goes. Two more. The best offense in the league and the high-performing quarterbacks now have clear-cut number one targets on their offense. Do you think that's necessary in today's league? Think that player is in this locker room, and if not, do you think you can secure one this offseason? Yeah, so that's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would start with. At the, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. So, you think it's necessary? I think it's necessary. I think uh, you can have a collection of guys that work really well. Um, I think you can have a tight end mixed in with the group. So collectively, I think you just have a you got to have a good group of playmakers. Um, obviously, you know you would love a number one. I hope one of these guys on a roster, or if someone's available, can develop into that guy. Um, we'll see. But we're always trying to look for playmakers, and hopefully, one of the guys that we have in our locker room now can elevate to to that position. Ryan, I know you said you weren't paying too close attention to that Houston Indy game. I'm not sure any of us believe you, but how much more valuable is having that number one against the number two, given how many teams below you need a quarterback? Yeah, I think any of those positions, you're going to have flexibility and you can be in a situation where, you know, you can really help your team with moving back. Um, I honestly, I, I wasn't paying attention to that. Someone in here saw me who told me about it, and I was like, eh, like, I just wasn't in the mood for it. Um, I knew just from the loss we were going to be, you know, one or two, and it is what it is, and we'll kind of prepare on that based on where we fell. Um, but yeah, you just again, it's the flexibility of being able to do a lot from that spot. But we got to move the needle and get better. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.